Section 10 of Ornaments in Jade by Arthur Macon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Chuck Williamson. The Holy Things. The sky was blue above Holborn, and only one little cloud, half white, half golden, floated on the wind's way from west to east. The long aisle of the street was splendid in the full light of the summer, and away in the west, where the houses seemed to meet and join, it was as if a rich tabernacle, mysterious, the carven house of holy things. A man came into the great highway from a quiet court. He had been sitting under the plane tree shade for an hour or more, his mind racked with perplexities and doubts, with the sense that all was without meaning or purpose, a tangle of senseless joys and empty sorrows. He had stirred in it, and fought and striven, and now disappointment and success were alike tasteless. To struggle was weariness. To attain was weariness. To do nothing was weariness. He had felt a little while before that from the highest to the lowest things of life there was no choice. There was not one thing that was better than another. The savior of the cinders was no sweeter than the savior of the ashes. He had done work which some men liked and others disliked, and liking and disliking were equally tiresome to him. His poetry, or his pictures, or whatever it was that he worked at, had utterly ceased to interest him. And he had tried to be idle, and found idleness as impossible as work. He had lost the faculty for making, and he had lost the power of resting. He dozed in the daytime, and started up and cried at night. Even that morning, he had doubted and hesitated, wondering whether to stay indoors or to go out, sure that in either plan there was an infinite weariness and disgust. When he at last went abroad, he let the crowd push him into the quiet court, and at the same time cursed them in a low voice for doing so. He tried to persuade himself that he was meant to go somewhere else. When he sat down, he desperately endeavored to rouse himself. And as he knew that all the strong interests are egotistic, he made an effort to grow warm over the work he had done, to find a glow of satisfaction in the thought that he had accomplished something. It was nonsense. He had found out a clever trick, and had made the most of it, and it was over. Besides, how would it interest him if afterwards he was praised when he was dead? And what was the use of trying to invent some new tricks? It was folly. And he ground his teeth as a new idea came into his mind, and was rejected. To get drunk always made him so horribly ill, and other things were more foolish and tiresome than poesy or painting, 
whichever it was. He could not even rest at the uncomfortable bench beneath the dank sinking plane tree. A young man and a girl came up and sat next to him, and the girl said, Oh, isn't it beautiful today? And then they began to jabber to one another, the blasted fools. He flung himself from the seat and went out into Holborn. As far as he could see, there were two processions of omnibuses, cabs, and vans that went east and west and west and east. Now the long line would move on briskly. Now it stopped. The horse's feet rattled and pattered on the asphalt. The wheels ground and jarred. A bicyclist wavered in and out between the serried ranks, jangling his bell. The foot passengers went to and fro on the pavement, with an endless change of unknown faces. There was an incessant hum and murmur of voices. In the safety of a blind passage, an Italian whirled round the handle of his piano organ. The sound of it swelled and sank as the traffic surged and paused. And now and then, one heard the shrill voices of the children who danced and shrieked in time to the music. Close to the pavement, a coster pushed his barrow and proclaimed flowers in an odd intonation, reminding one of the Georgian chant. The cyclist went by again with his jangling, insistent bell, and a man who stood by the lamp-post set fire to his pastel ribbon and let the faint blue smoke rise into the sun. Away in the west, where the houses seemed to meet, the play of sunlight on the haze made, as it were, golden mighty shapes that paused and advanced, and paused again. He had viewed the scenes hundreds of times, and for a long while had found it a nuisance and a weariness. But now as he walked stupidly, slowly, along the southern side of Holborn, a change fell. He did not in the least know what it was, but there seemed to be a, a strange air and a new charm that soothed his mind. When the traffic was stopped, to his soul there was a solemn hush that summoned remnants of a far-off memory. The voices of the passengers sank away. The street was endued with a grave and reverent expectation. A shop that he passed had a row of electric lamps burning above the door, and the golden glow of them in the sunlight was, he felt, significant. The grind and jar of the wheels as the procession moved on again gave out a chord of music, the opening of some high service that was to be done, and now, in an ecstasy, he was sure that he heard the roll and swell and triumph of the organ, and shrill sweet choristers began to sing. So the music sank and swelled and echoed in the vast aisle in Holborn. What could these lamps mean, burning in the bright sunlight? 
the music was hushed in a grave close and in the rattle of traffic he heard the last deep sonorous notes shake against the choir walls he had passed beyond the range of the italian's instrument but then a rich voice began alone rising and falling in monotonous but awful modulations singing a longing triumphant song bidding the faithful lift up to their hearts be joined in heart with the angels and archangels with the thrones and dominations he could see no longer he could not see the man who passed close beside him pushing his barrow and calling flowers ah <sighs> he could not be mistaken he was sure now the air was blue with incense he smelt the adorable fragrance the time had almost come and then the silvery reiterated instant summons of a bell and again and again the tears fell from his eyes in his weeping the tears poured a rain upon his cheeks but he saw in the distance in the far distance the carven tabernacle golden mighty figures moving slowly imploring arms stretched forth there was a noise of a great shout the choir sang in the tongue of his boyhood that he had forgotten sent 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 then the silvery bell tinkled anew and again and again he looked and saw the holy white and shining mysteries exhibited in holborn end of section ten end of ornaments and jade by arthur macon recording by chuck williamson columbus ohio 2021 Thank you for listening.